0: Welcome, everyone. This is Michael Blue, and you've connected to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, the podcast, where we are cultivating makers and shapers of culture. Prepare for a riveting time in the principles and practices of the king and of his kingdom. You are about to be charged, challenged, and changed. I know you're ready. Let's go. And Father, we thank you for encouraging the hearts of the brothers and sisters today, affirming, validating who they are because you are the one who purposed us. You're the one who from the foundation of the world ordained us. And even the hairs on our heads are numbered. And if the hairs on our heads are numbered, That means that every detail of our lives matters. That's what you were trying to tell us. That means our names matter. That means every aspect of our being matters. In the scripture, the names of all of the people were significant. If the names of the people in the written word of God were significant, why would we think that God thinks any less of us than he thinks of those in the scripture when your word said God is not a respecter of persons? And so even though it might not have been a prophet who named us, it might not have been a man or woman of God who named us, you ordained us and you purposed us. Thank you, Lord. And so whether the enemy meant it for evil or whether it was someone with a good intention who did not know the full scope of their intentions, you caused and you caused all things to work together for good to them Who love God. Now, I pray for these men and women that they won't just revel in the meanings of their names, but that they will seek you to learn how to live out the prophecy so that the prophecy is not just a prophecy, but the prophecy is fulfilled in our walk, in our accomplishments, in our obedience to God, in our impact in this world for God's glory and for people's good. We ask you to lift these professionals hearts spirits their souls their bodies everything that pertains to them lift them challenge us to walk in submission and obedience to your word challenge us to present our bodies living sacrifices holy acceptable unto god challenge us to believe for the impossible for that which is impossible with man is possible with god and we thank you in jesus precious name holy spirit of god you are welcome amen and amen god makes your name great you make your title great so when um when you live in such a way that people can see greatness and they can see excellence the greatness that you exude, the greatness that emanates from you, <clears throat> it becomes attributed and associated with your title. I remember um, a great um, a great church organization that had many preachers, many um, many people who were ordained clergy. But there was a man of God in that organization that network of churches who so distinguished himself as a leader, someone who loved everybody and everybody except the devil loved him. And his name became so great that his title grew as a result of his name being so great that when people said, elders said, let's do so and so, everybody knew who they were talking about even though they've got hundreds of elders in the organization. When somebody said elder has asked us to do X, everybody automatically knew because his name had become so great that his name had made the title great. So that when any time the title was used, everybody immediately knew who they were talking about. Let me give you another, I'm gonna give you two other illustrations. You didn't ask for this, but I'm gonna give you two other um, name illustrations. They were closely associated at one time, not so much now. But but um, some of you remember, some of you that have a few years on you, you can remember that in the church, we go through phases and stages of what title is important. So um, we went through a season where doctor was important. And we went through a season where apostle or prophet was important. And Bishop Jakes came on the scene. Bishop Jakes came on the scene. And God began to use them in a miraculous way. And I watched people. I watched people who had always been known as Dr. This One and so forth. All of a sudden, they became bishop. God made Thomas Dexter, Dexter, excuse me. God made Thomas Dexter Jakes name great. And Thomas Dexter Jakes made the title bishop great. And so now you've got people all over the place calling themselves bishop. Because they want to be identified with the greatness that has been found in the name Thomas Dexter Jakes. Well, God used Thomas Dexter Jakes, Thomas Dexter Jakes, to raise up a young woman in ministry who came to the platform as Prophetess Juanita Bynum. She came to his platform as prophetess Juanita Bynum. You've never seen so many people all of a sudden start calling themselves prophetess this one and prophetess that one and prophetess the other one. Did God suddenly raise up a fresh crop of prophetesses? He may very well have. However, God made Juanita Bynum's name great. Juanita Bynum, being who God made her, made her title great. And people begin to run after the title in pursuit of greatness. But only God can make your name great. And when God makes your name great, the greatness is who you are with or without the title. So when we say Abraham, everybody knows who you're talking about. If, if they're biblically literate at all. If they're culturally and biblically literate together, they know. you say Paul, millions of Pauls. everybody knows who you're talking about. You don't have to see Reverend Paul, Apostle Paul, Dr. Paul, Paul. And there is a gentleman named Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus, Jesus. We don't have to call him Dr. Jesus, Pope Jesus, Archbishop Jesus, Cardinal Jesus, Reverend Jesus, Prophet Jesus, just Jesus. His name is so great that there's no title that can adequately define him. That's one of the reasons why in this context, um, I thought I I would not use the titles. Here's one more thing. Be comfortable with your name. Be comfortable with your name. Sometimes those of us who are professionals, we get called these formal things so much until it seems strange when somebody addresses us by name. By a given name or so forth, but be comfortable with your name. Enjoy your name. Like your name. Like your name. love your name. Look up the meaning, the definition of your name, the, the the etymology, the root, the history of your name. Your name is prophetic. Your name is prophetic. Every one of you under the sound of my voice. Your name is prophetic. Even either it is a prophecy of what you are to do. And are to become, and are to manifest, are. it's a prophecy of what you have been raised up to destroy. <laughs> that's right. That's right. If your name has a positive connotation, it speaks of God's plan and God's purpose for your life in the positive. If you have a negative name, you'd have to change names. That's the demon that you've been raised up to destroy. One more name uh, mini lesson. There, unfortunately, can be people who will try to minimize you by not addressing you with the title in a context where the title would be appropriate. Did you hear me? I said, there will be settings and situations in which people will intentionally omit or reduce the title in their effort, their futile effort, to make you less. That's one of those situations where I said, where I say that there are people who will try to wrap you in shrink wrap or try to shoot you with a shrink ray. Listen, no shrink wrap that is formed against thee shall prosper. No shrink ray that's shot at you shall prosper. You are who you are, whether they want to acknowledge it or not. And you are placed where God has placed you, whether they want to acknowledge your placement or not. Don't you break out in a cold sweat because they know your position and they refuse to address you by that position. Don't you waste your energy on that. Now, this is good. This is a wonderful example. Wonderful example. Thank you, Dolores. She said her name is Dolores. In Spanish, it means pain. It does. It means pains and suffering. Remember, remember, um, uh, Spanish is a romance language, as is French, as is Italian. Remember that the place where Jesus walked, the street that Jesus walked, In Italian, if I remember serving correctly, Italian Latin, because of course their derivative is the via dolorosa. Via means way. dolorosa means suffering, or as she said, pain. So look at what she says here. Her name is Dolores, the Spanish meaning is pain. And she says she thanks God that she is a mental health and substance abuse counselor. That is God has raised her up to eradicate pain in people's lives. And the root that is causing the pain. Thank you, Dolores. You are my star student today. Thank you. That's a powerful, powerful illustration. <laughs> That's right. So so learn, learn to love your name. Learn to love the fact that God loved you enough that he gave you a prophetic utterance as your name. And every time somebody says your name, they're prophesying every time they speak your name they're speaking destiny they might not mean to they might not even they might not uh, even realize what they're doing but it's well dr stephanie bridges we were just talking about your name from the greek one of the crowns that belongs to the saints of god is the stephanus the stephanus crown it is the victor's crown learn to love your name one one of the early lessons that i used to share with my students in English class um, when we were dealing with, I would do it sometimes at the beginning of of school when I'm learning their names. And then on other occasions, I would do it when we were doing uh, roots, Latin roots and Greek roots, I would talk to them about the definition of their names. And I don't care how rough and gruff and maladjusted that child was. When I told him or her the meaning of his or her name, um, you could see a kind of radiance. You could see a kind of of gratification that came from uh, from that knowledge, Bishop Keyes, You know what your name means, but I'm going to give it to you. Your name Michael means "Who is like God?" Mika el. Who is like God? Yes, sir. Hallelujah. All right. <laughs> All right. So yeah, if if you don't know the meaning of your name, do the research. With Google, it's simple enough, okay. But but it's not just it's not just a, a label that has been slapped on you. It's a prophetic utterance. Wonderful. I see that, Sister Johnson. Um, She said she was telling someone recently in her younger years she never liked her name, but she learned to appreciate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, now here you go. Here you go. I see you. I see you. (laughs) All right. Gertrude means warrior. We know that's right. Raquel means innocent or you or lamb of God. Go ahead with that. Cornelius means horn it does it does the root corn means means horn I see it I see it okay I I can't go with you all now I can I <laughs> but your name is a prophetic utterance Jesus is the last Adam Adam is the first Adam the first Adam's name is a prophecy it means Earth. Sometimes it's also uh, defined as red a red earth. The last Adam, Jesus, John says he's the word made flesh. And every Adam is a word from God made flesh in the sense. I'm not talking about uh, the eternal God made flesh. I mean, Jesus is the word made flesh. You are a word made flesh. Jesus is the word of God, the thought of God, the mind of God made flesh. You are a word from the mind of God made flesh. All right. All right. Does that make sense? Now, Lakeisha Shannon, you were one of my former students. You would have been in my classes when I was talking about Latin and Greek roots. Let the saints know that we did, in fact, deal with those things. All right. Uh, Alexander. Well, Just all you have to do is go to Google. I'll, I'll, I'll point this out, though. I'll point this out. You know that Alexander the Great was the Greek conqueror, the Greek warrior. Now, um, leader of, is it leader of men or something of that nature? Because the root andro means men or man. I think you will recall that. All right. Yes, let me explain it uh, a little further, Pastor Horn. God told Jeremiah, before I formed thee in thy mother's womb, I knew thee. Where do you know? In your mind. When you speak what's in your mind, it's called a word. Jeremiah was a word from God. Made flesh. And you are a word from God made flesh. Jesus is the word of God made flesh. Well, looks like we're going to turn this this session into Etymology 101. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Brother Alex, you've got your answer. That's, that's co-pastor Alex. I, I remember that the Ander is is from the root andro which means man in the Greek uh, and so you've got the whole thing there. Is't this good? I'm seeing I'm seeing these these names and um, I enjoy and I, I I would I mentioned to you that um, that my uh, my students, That sometimes the rough, hard one, when I told him or her what the name meant, you could see the blush or you could see the look around at other people, affirmation effect. And listen, we all need affirmation. We don't need to be vain and conceited, but we all need to be validated um, on a fairly consistent basis. It's not just one dose will do you, one dab will do you no. There, there needs to be a, a fairly consistent application of validation. And because God is our heavenly father, he knows how to validate his children. He gave you a name. And so every time you wonder whether God cares about you, um, you wonder whether God has plans for you. Just remember what your name is. All right. Darnell Johnson, you said your name means Hidden Nook. Is that what you said? All right, then. Well, that sounds like Psalm 91 in verse one, which uh, reads, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. It sounds like Colossians chapter three and verse three that says your life is hid with Christ in God. That's a powerful, (laughs) that's a powerful word. All right. All right, then we we have been talking about knowing your assignment. Knowing your assignment. What is my assignment is the question that so many of us have and should have. If you don't have that question or if you don't have the answer to that question, you need to come on. You need to come on. Brother Reagan. Ask the question: Can knowing the meaning of your name help with the knowing of your assignment? Absolutely. Absolutely. My name is Michael. I didn't always know what my name meant. But when I learned what it meant, and I I I always, at least from as early as I can remember, had a heart for God. Yes, yes, it it, it coheres. It coheres. Lord, teach me my assignment, knowing my assignment. You you all are really, really, um, you're really blessing me with your response to this mini lesson, okay? You're you're blessing me with it. All right, remember that in knowing one's assignment, we are to John the Baptist. John the Baptist is our, character whom we're studying and thank you Minister Winchester um John the Baptist is our character whom we're zeroing in upon whom we're zeroing in and and uh in order to be the uh person who fulfills assignment you must know I must know my sender know myself know my superior know my skills know my service, Know my scope, know my schedule, know my satisfaction and know my success. So I'm going to go back one more time. My sender, that's God. Myself, I took some time in the first session. So I encourage you to go back if, if opportunity presents itself and study um, what we said about knowing oneself. But but even this lesson with the name that that's a part of knowing yourself. Okay, John, Yohanan, God is gracious. Hannah, your name and the name of John have the same roots. Uh, The Hannah part. John, we call him John, but his name is Yohanan, like Hannah. It means grace or favor. Yo means Jehovah. Jehovah is gracious. Jehovah has had favor. And that was his destiny. That was his destiny. So, um... Then know my superior. Now, no human being is superior to you or inferior to you innately by nature. Nobody is superior or inferior to anybody else. But we are called to a system. All of us are called to some system. The the church is a system. The school is a system. Otis Elevator is a system. McLeod is a system. Uh, M-U-S-C is a system. All of us are called to us. And in that system, there are positions that are superior or inferior to others. You understand? The positions are, not the people. That's where we mess up. Sometimes we think that a person in a higher position makes the person superior. A person in a lower position a position makes the person inferior and we handle the person as if he or she were defined by the position. No, that's not like God. The kingdom professional knows that you handle all people with grace. You handle all people with dignity, all people with profound respect because all people have the value of God. Don't make that mistake. It can cost you dearly. It can cost you dearly. All right, so um, superior, on the other hand, when you are in a system, you make sure that you understand the vision of your superior. You make sure you understand the purpose of your superior, the the superior, the goals, the the dreams of your superior. Because I'm gonna tell you, God, please hear me, please hear me, God can make you a Joseph. If you learn how to respect the dream of your superior, God can cause your dream to come true through your interpreting of the dream of your superior and not even your superior, even your peers, but we're talking about the superior. When you become a dream interpreter, I'm not talking about getting these books out of the checkout line at Walmart. I'm talking about you knowing God and you knowing the ways of God and you knowing God's perspective of the world, when you learn how to interpret the dreams of others, your dreams will come to pass. But you have to, particularly if you are, again, in whatever system you are, in whatever system you are, respect and give close attention to the dreams of your superior, the dreams pertinent to the system. I'm not talking about personal life. If God has given you a personal relationship and, that, that, and connection, that's great. But I'm talking about the dreams for the sister. All right. So then my skills, your, your gift set, whatever gift set that God has deposited uh, in your life. Um, Let me ask you a question. I'm, I'm just going to stop and ask you a question right here. Do you know people who need this perspective? Do you know people who need to hear from God that they have an assignment. Do you know people who might have even profited from the mini lesson on the names, meaning, and so forth? Why don't you invite someone? I know it's easy to just kind of check in and get your own little dose and go your way, but be mindful, be mindful of the fact that there are other people who need what it is that you are receiving and that we are receiving in this moment. Be evangelistic with regard to what God has given you as well, okay? Be intentional about helping us to uh, expand the reach of this thrust, this, this enterprise. Don't keep it to yourself. Share with someone else you are grounded. Many of you are grounded in God and grounded in the word of God and grounded in a kingdom of God perspective. But there are many people who are clueless. I'm telling you the vast majority of people are including some Christians are clueless with regard to what it is that we're sharing right now. Clueless. Okay. If I'm going to present it, partner with me and help others to come to receive what's being imparted. Who knows? Somebody who is your superior may hear it said that all people have equal worth and perhaps if they've been giving you trouble, perhaps they'll change their position and their 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 attitude because they realize, "Oh, I'm I'm not all of that after <laughs> after all." You understand? So help us get the word out. Monday comes every 7 days. And so you know, talk to people in the workplace or other places and say, Hey, you know, I've got this little thing that goes on. You might not be able to catch it all, but, but give it 15 minutes, give it 20 minutes and see if it's beneficial. Let's go on. Um, my sender, myself, my superior, my skills. Then my service. That is what is it that I'm really called to do? What is it that I am a, uh, supposed to be um, accomplishing? What's my service? When I leave this world, what will it be that, uh, that I've left behind? An insurance policy, that's good. Or your personal fortune, that's good. Maybe a house, that's good. Car, two, three, four, five, five. Several houses, okay, good. But what will I have left that shifted the world forward, that shifted the world positively. That's what I mean when I say, what is my service? That's what we need to be asking. And then what is my scope? To whom am I called? To whom am I sent? To whom am I assigned? Then my schedule. What's the timeline for this? How long do I have to get this done? And then my satisfaction. How will I be compensated? How will I be rewarded? What am I to expect to get out of this? Should I expect to get anything out of this? And then finally, my successor, who comes after me? Who's going to be responsible for what it is that I've brought to this level? Who's going to bring it to the next level? How will they be prepared? Of those increments, um, the one that we will focus in on today is my schedule. John the Baptist in um, the Gospel of John, chapter one, he said, in verse 23, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Esaias. In the book of Luke, chapter one, in the book of Luke, chapter one, we find some things about John as relates to, he is to prepare the way of the Lord. So let's look at some details about him. Chapter one, the Bible says that in verse 11, there appeared unto him, that's that's the father of John the Baptist, a gentleman named Zacharias. There appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. All right? And if you keep on reading verse 13, but the angel said to him, fear not Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son and thou shalt call his name John. All right. If you read verse 17, the last clause to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So that's his mission. That's John's assignment. Now look at verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, this implies that about six months after uh, Gabriel went to Zachariah, he now goes to Nazareth and he, in verse 27, he goes to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary And the angel tells her she's going to have a child. So there appears to be about six months between uh, John's conception and Jesus' conception. So they're about six months apart in age. Look at the book of Luke chapter three. The book of Luke chapter three. If you look at verse 21, the Bible says, now, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized, he was baptized by John the Baptist. Look at verse 23. At the time of Jesus' baptism, the Bible says, and Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age. So if Jesus is about 30 years of age, then John is about 30 years of age plus about six months. Now, John was preaching before Jesus showed up because he was preparing the people for Jesus. What time did John start preaching? I don't know. What? How old was he when he's, I don't know. But John had a window up to about age 30 before the person for whom he was preparing was going to appear. So in other words, there was a limit in how much time John had to get the nation ready for Jesus. Are you listening? I said that John, John the Baptist has a limited time to prepare the people for Jesus. And not only that, But we learn that Jesus died, most Bible scholars, well, not most, I don't know if I can say most, but many Bible scholars believe that Jesus died at about age 33 or so, and John the Baptist was dead before Jesus died. And so John has a limited amount of time in which to fulfill his life assignment. Ecclesiastes chapter three and verse one says, to everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Your life assignment has a time frame on it. It has a schedule. It has a time limit on it. We don't know how long we have. In the book of uh, Ecclesiastes three and one is used in funerals quite often. But so also is this one, Psalm chapter 90. Psalm number 90, Psalm number 90. It's the book of Psalms plural, but it is the Psalm number 90. Psalm 90 and verse 12, it says, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our heart to wisdom. You know what that means? It means help us to be conscious of the passing of time. Help us to prioritize time. Help us to master managing time. And as professionals, I submit to you that one of the great challenges in any professional's life can be the challenge of time management. If you are visionary, if you are an inventor, if you are an establishmentarian, if you are a supervisor, if you're over a department or over a business or over some aspect of the business, a business, you're over a classroom, you're over some agency. My dear brothers, my dear sisters, one of the great, cha- those of us who are responsible for churches, one of the great challenges that we face is the challenge of mastery of time management. If we do not manage time, Then time will master us in such a manner that we will not achieve all that we're capable of. I gave the illustration this morning that I used to say to my students concerning standardized testing that the test does not measure what you know primarily, the test does not. Uh, measure what you know primarily. It measures what you are able to communicate that you know. That is, it, it measures what you show you know. The test results are not a measure of what you know first. They are a measure of what you can effectively show that you know. Are you listening? And I gave the illustration this morning. I'm not going to go back through it of how I blew a couple tests in seventh grade. They weren't, they weren't standardized tests, but they were still tests. Uh, I, I made a mess of them, two of them, because I knew the rules for conjugating verbs, but I applied the rules for conjugating irregular verbs to regular verbs and applied the rules of the irregular verb conjugation to regular, irregular to regular, regular to irregular, it cost me two zeros. It cost me two zeros and brought my average as low as it ever was in that class ever again. Ever before or again. Because the quiz couldn't tell the teacher, oh, he really knows he's just applying the wrong rules. All she could go by, was what was printed, what was written. I talked to my students about the fact that the the bubble uh, sheets, the answer sheets, all you have to do, <clears throat> all you have to do is write bubble the answer for number one, item number one in number two slot. And once you bubble the correct answer for item one, in the number two slot and continue on that route, you can end up failing this thing and you knew all of it, you know, all of it just because you did not manage how to show what you know, all right? Now, one of the show what you know issues is the time being managed and one of the applications of the time, of course, would be the time you need to give To being clear on the instructions and clear on the format. If you have not allocated enough time for clarity with the instructions and clarity with the format, then you can waste energy plowing through doing what you presume is correct. Because doing what you presume is correct without having. Taking time to be clear on instructions and clear on format is a misallocation, a poor allocation of time. I didn't manage my time well. And then all of a sudden hits me. Wow, I numbered this thing. Oh, my goodness. Now I'm scrounging trying to get it done. And time has mastered me because I didn't manage it. How many presentations have we done? Sermons. Songs, projects, project reports. How many presentations have we made that were not nearly representative of what we knew and what we were capable of? All because we did not allocate the time properly, the preparation time. We did not allocate the developmental time to to each segment of the task. (sighs) Ladies and gentlemen, professionals must have a healthy grasp on time management. Professionals must have a healthy grasp and a respect for deadlines and timelines. May God help us all a profession. And the the more of a professional you are, you know, there's so many people. I listen to young people very often say, I want to own my own business. I want to. One of the keys to being a successful business person is that I must manage myself in relation to time. When we say time management is really kind of a misnomer because, you know, really, truly, we can't manage time. We can't handle time. We manage ourselves relative to time. That that's, Time management is self-management. If I don't say anything else, I, I just preached, okay? Time management is self-management. That is self and resource management. I can't do anything to time. I can't speed it up. I can't slow it down. I can't make more of it. You understand? Uh, and I'm not going to hurt myself and make less of it So I can't really do anything with time, but time management is self-management. Time management is decision management. Time management is planning. So I'm I'm not so much, we call it time management, but really and truly I'm managing myself in relation to time. Only God can manage time itself only God but I can manage myself relative to time and thereby let time work for me instead of working against me can you see that um let's uh let's look at this this is a very familiar passage the book of Jeremiah chapter 18. The Bible says in verse three, Jeremiah says, then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. Many of us are familiar with that story of Jeremiah and the potter. Correct? The Bible says verse four, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. You know what? I I wish you could, uh, I wish you had that pulled up uh, in your Bible somewhere um, or, or in in some device. Let me, uh, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, colon. So he made it again, another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. That's 18.4, 18.4, Jeremiah 18.4. Now listen, listen. What's he doing? He's making a clay pot. He's making a pot out of clay. Hello? He's making a pot out of clay. He is the potter. We are the clay. Got it? And the Bible says the vessel was marred in the hand of the potter. I have a number of lessons that I've taught from this particular text, but the one I'm going to lift up right now is this one. The vessel was marred in his hand. It's been preached many times. I'm still in his hand. Okay. The vessel was marred in the hand of the potter. One thing the Lord gave me many years ago Is that the vessel was marred in his hand, not in his mind. That means the vessel in his hand didn't look like what he envisioned in his mind. Okay? So I'm marred in his hand, but I'm not damaging his mind. He still remembers what he intended me to be. Got it? And so he can make me over. That's we shared that lesson many years ago. But here's here's the third one. The Bible says. Read the text. And the vessel that he made of clay, I want everybody to see it. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. What's what's next on the page? Colon. So he made it again, another vessel. What's between the word potter and so? A colon. Now, any of you who know about making pottery, you know that of clay, You make pottery of clay. um, You take it, you knead it, beat it, get the rocks out and all that kind of thing, shape it, and then you're going to put it into the kiln, the K-I-L-N. Now, apparently, he has not put it into the kiln yet. Apparently, he has shaped it. All right? But he hasn't put it in the hardening uh, set yet. But how many know that from the moment that you shape this clay, there's a limited amount of time between the shaping and the hardening. And if the pot hardens with the mar or the damage in it, it's going to have to be discarded. If the clay pot gets hard before the potter can reshape it, He won't be able to reshape it. He'll have to throw it away and start with another piece of clay. And so the title of the lesson is, I don't have long. Damaged in the hand of the potter. The potter still knows what he has in his mind. He's got the power to make me over. Oh, that's great shouting ground. But here's the thing you've got to realize. There's not an infinite amount of time between the damage and the redoing. That colon says I don't have long. That colon says you got to let him make you quickly. You got to make let him make you soon. You can't just be resting on he can make me over. He can make me over. He can make me over. That clay every moment of time is settling. That clay Is hardening that clay. You understand what I'm saying? So the title of the lesson is I don't have long. I don't mean you're going to die. It means that this opportunity has an expiration date on it. This opportunity, hear me. I'm talking about your schedule. Your assignment has a schedule. This opportunity has an expiration date on it. If it doesn't have an expiration date on it, it has a best if used by date on it. How many ever ever purchased a product and the product has an expiration date? In other words, uh, there's going to come a time when it will no longer be useful to you. And then there's another that doesn't have an expiration date, but it says best if used by. In other words, if you want to get the maximum, if you want to get the optimum out of this particular thing, then you need to use it in this window of time. And what the Lord is saying is that I've given you the opportunity, but your opportunity has an expiration date on it. Your opportunity has a best if used by date on it. I don't have long. I can't take forever to make up my mind. I can't take forever to take action. I can't take forever to make a decision. I cannot take forever to obey God because this opportunity has a time limit. This opportunity has an expiration date. This opportunity has a best if used by date. Are you listening? And so we rejoice that he's the potter and we're the clay. We rejoice that though we were marred in his hand, we weren't marred in his mind. We rejoice that he has the power to make us over. But we must be sober about the fact that our assignment has a time associated with it, attached to it. I don't have long. If you live 100 years, that's not long. That's right. What God intends to do in and through you has a time associated with it. Now. Now. When it's a time that you have no say in, then you just wait on God. But I have to ask myself, are there areas in my life where the clock is ticking on whether I'm going to respond properly? Is the clock ticking and winding down? Two minutes, I promise you I'll release you. When Esther went in to see the king, I got a chance... Congratulate Dr. Alicia. We've got to have her own, Dr. Alicia Black-Hackett. She has become a member of the president's staff, President Biden's staff uh, in the Department of Labor, um, chief officer for diversity and, and, and that kind of thing, powerful. And we talked about the fact that, that she becomes an Esther model. God is giving her the Esther opportunity, so to speak. But notice now, Esther has to take advantage of the opportunity that God has given her in the moment. She has to take advantage. She goes to the palace where she's not supposed to go without being called for. And the king extends to her his scepter. The king extends to her his scepter. And the Bible said, Esther touched the top of the scepter. He did what? He extended the scepter. That's the thing that means she can live in his presence. She can have an audience. He stretched out the scepter. And the Bible says, Esther touched the top of the scepter. That means I accept your gracious invitation. I accept your gracious opportunity. Ladies and gentlemen, Suppose when the king stretched out the scepter, Esther had not touched it. Suppose Esther had not moved forward. How long can the king hold the scepter up without his arm getting tired? How long can the king hold the scepter up without his circulation not getting poor and his arm getting numb? How long will it be before he lets the scepter down? Say, I don't know what's wrong with this lady. I don't know what's wrong with her. I've given her the opportunity. I've given her a chance. Listen. The scepter of favor is being pointed in your direction. The scepter of divine purpose is being pointed in your direction. But if you don't respond to this extending of the scepter, the scepter is not going to hang in suspended animation forever. You don't have long. You don't have long. That's the title of lesson. You don't have long. The other lesson was entitled Touch the Top, one concerning Esther. My point to you is brothers and sisters. Your assignment, your macro assignment, that is your whole life assignment, and the incremental assignments that are bringing you to your whole life assignment. They all have times Time constraints, time restraints, time limits, time parameters, time factors. I'm asking God to help me. I'm asking God to help us. Because in many cases, we don't achieve all that we could have achieved. We don't reach all that we could have reached. Because we did not remember that our assignment has a schedule. Put it in the comments. My assignment has a schedule. My assignment has a schedule. I don't want you to be fearful, but I do want you to be urgent. That's why you don't have time to waste in gossip and backbiting. You don't have time to waste living slack and sinful. You don't have time to waste in being involved and, 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 and wound up in worldly entertainment for entertainment's sake, and that being the preponderance of your time. No, there's nothing wrong with leisure, but you got to always be careful not to allow leisure to mislead you away from purpose and destiny. Your assignment has a schedule. Your macro assignment and your micro assignments, they have a schedule. Time management is self-management. When I self-manage, when I manage, when I discipline myself in response to time, time works in my favor because God favors me. Oh my, thank you. Thank you, brothers and sisters, for your time. I hope you've been edified in this session. I really have. I've enjoyed listening or reading your comments with regard to your names and interacting about that. And then I'm grateful for the privilege of having shared this lesson concerning the schedule that is a part of knowing my assignment. I hope you've been encouraged. I hope you leave here encouraged. Share this session with somebody else. Take the link, share it with somebody else so that they might be enhanced. All right. We'll talk further about time management next time. Um, But remember, the management of time Is not the management of time itself, but time management is self-management. All right, until we meet again, this is Michael Blue of the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals encouraging you to go forth today and lead, make the name of Jesus Christ glorious, make the career of Satan brief and miserable. Together, we shall bring pleasure to Christ's heart and fame to his name. Until we meet again, may the peace of God go. Thank you for listening to the Fellowship of Kingdom Professionals, FKP, the podcast. If you'd like more engagement, click the link in the show notes to join like-minded professionals in the FKP Facebook group. Follow us at Bishop M.A. Blue on all platforms. Also join the FKP Weekly Conversation Live every Monday at 1130 a.m. Eastern on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Finally, be sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. May God bless you until we meet again.